last of our series on when God the Spirit moves. Today we're talking about who's in control and I'm very glad to welcome back uh, Sharon who's back for a short while with us to share with us today. Sharon. Good morning. <laughs> it's always good to be home. And uh, what I'm about to share with you actually was, a part, um, was what happened to me sometime in 2001. In the year 2001, that was way before I came to be part of PPH family, I just resigned from my teaching position with MOE after I finished my three years of contract. And in 2001, um, I prayed and asked God whether, after my contract ended, whether He would have something different for me. So, well, the Lord began to show me in different ways. That, that's really quite another story, which we're not going to talk about today. But, um, yeah, and eventually I resigned. And I spent about three months subsequently later in, with Tungling Bible School. Some of you perhaps are quite familiar with it. Um, I spent about three months of school and ministry in the Tungling Bible School. And those three months were precious three months. You know, it was a time you just extended time. You sit, you feed upon the Word of God. You uh, fellowship with like-minded, um, loving God people. And it was a time of receiving, learning to listen to the voice of God and how He speaks through His Holy Spirit. And I was doing a lot of learning at that time. So um, I was all charged up, you know, and full. And finally, when everything was over, I had to ask God, so what's next? So in the process, um, during that time, the Lord convicted me to go back to the church where I had grown up previously before in Marine Parade to serve. And um, so that was what I did. I, I stepped out for full-time ministry work. And at that time, uh, as I said, I was still not part of the PPH family yet. And then one evening, this is where what happened. One evening after coming on staff, uh, very young, very was a newbie, a few months um, later after coming on staff, um, I was heading out to Raffles Place for dinner with my young adult's friends. And it was a Friday evening, you know, end of the week, uh, happy, a little tired, and then, um, and I was so, un it was unthinking of me, because when I went in, what I did was I took my document case, I left it just outside a fast food outlet in Raffles Place, I went into the fast food restaurant to grab a drink, then when I came out, my bag was gone. It was gone. So I was in a state of shock because that document bag was very important to me. There was nothing valuable, no money, no wallet, no IC, but documents that were confidential and important for me to want it back badly. I don't know whether you get into one of those situations where you really pray and say, God, if you need a miracle, it is this one. And it was this one that I re was really desperate and I was horrified. So a cleaning lady saw this horrified look on my face and she didn't do, I mean, didn't give me good news. She did. She saw somebody took off with my bag, my brown colored bag. And, um, and my friends came and saw me in this state of shock and we prayed together. We prayed and what they did for me is they went through Raffles Place, went through every dustbin and, you know, did what they could and to try to find something. But, you know, it is really not possible. So, so anyway, I, there was no way I could do a police report because it was nothing important enough to lodge a police report. So I went home after dinner that night and very, very heavy-hearted. I didn't dare to tell my mom. So, well, anyway, I just went home and um, 
uh, that was a Friday evening and I went on my knees. I prayed like crazy, you know. It's one of those moments when I really sought God and prayed like crazy. And the Lord led me to, I was reading my Bible and then I was reminded of a passage in Luke chapter 18, you know, of how the persistent widow knock and knock and knock and knock. And then, um, you know, Jesus was told, told a parable. That's a familiar passage to us. But one verse caught my mind and that was Luke 18 and verse 8. It says, I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? So two things caught my mind. Justice, I, I needed it. Quickly, that was good. I don't know how quick is God's quick, but it was good. And faith. And the Lord told me, I felt the assurance in my heart that the Lord assured me that I need to have faith in him, that he will see to this. This is his problem. You know, it's really beyond my control now. So, um, so yeah, so I went to sleep. And I'm the sort that when I sleep, I just sleep. It doesn't take me a, a lot to wake me up, actually. Anyway, uh, but I had a dream that night. I can't remember what the dream was. I dreamt, I dreamt of some, I dreamt, and then I woke up from a dream, and the phone rang. It was 4 a.m. in the morning. I quickly picked up the phone because I didn't want to disturb my family members, but I tell you, my heart was racing because I don't know who on earth would call me just when I lost something on Friday evening and call me early in the morning at 4 o'clock. And then this voice on the phone said, uh, as far as I could recall, you know, he was trying to describe to me, did you lose something? Uh, this is this. And I know from the description that he found my bag. Everything that he described was the things that was in my bag. And I freaked out. 4 o'clock in the morning and you hear this man and what does he want? You know, now he has, how did he get my number? Does he have my address? And you know, all these frightening thoughts just came to my mind and I, I really was not thinking straight. And, um, but he told me that if I wanted it back, that I would arrange for him to, arrange a time with him to pick up the bag. So he gave me his telephone number, which I quickly just took it down. And then after which, I just put down the phone. And then I said, what on earth happened there? God, you said quickly. It's like five hours from 11 o'clock when I prayed and four, it's like five hours and... Oh, I was scared. I said, God, you know, this, this is really beyond me. It, it was just shocking to my nerves. And um, whatever it is, I, I struggled from 4 o'clock to, you know, the next morning. It was, it was really an arduous time. Um, what happened then during those few hours was I prayed, I struggled. And the first thing that came to my mind was, why didn't I tell this person to go and put my bag at the police station? Very safe place, you know, police post. Put it there, I collect it back, no problem. Don't even have to have to see him, this person. And then this voice, this impression spoke to me and said, didn't you pray and didn't God answer? So why are you sending this person to the police station? And didn't you learn in Bible school that when God answers, that he gets all the glory and it is for a purpose? Shouldn't you meet this friend? Just bring a few friends with you, go to a public and safe place. Just bring a few friends, meet him, thank him and... Uh, thank him for being an answered prayer and share the gospel with him. And I was like, huh? Uh, what is this? You know, this is like the spiritual side of me talking and it's like, no, this is too spiritual. It's four plus in the morning. I'm not thinking straight, you know? So I was stressed, struggling and, and I felt that it was the quiet peace of the Lord. And what I did was I, I tried to look for a spare Bible and I wrote a note and there I couldn't go back to sleep and about maybe close to 7 in the morning, a friend called me 
uh, for breakfast. You know, my friends are not the person knowing that I'm not an early person. They will not call me at 7 o'clock for breakfast. But in God's timing and goodness, he sent a friend to call me and said, come, let's go for breakfast, you know, we, uh, let me get this sorted out. So we spent the time together and we met this, this man later in the day uh, at Chinatown, uh, which was where he found my bag. And this is, was what he told me. He was a, um, a Bangladesh foreign worker in which uh, he was doing some cleaning at the time of the day. He started his day way early in the morning and he found um, at this place all my documents and everything, this bag all thrown and all my documents thrown all over the place. He picked everything up and he put it in the bag and he found my Singapore, uh, my Singtel bill, my telephone bill. That was when he called me at that time of the morning. So this was just a simple man doing his job, not trying to do funny thing but here my thoughts were you know my my mind was racing so why would he call me at this unearthly hour but anyway um, I, I told him that yes uh, God used him to to answer my prayer and I thanked him I gave him a Bible but his response was not something I expected he says oh yes I believe in God too uh, I'm a Muslim and then I said that's it I don't know what to do now I don't know how to share the gospel with a Muslim so I said <laughs> so I said okay Okay, thank you very much. God bless you. I, I know he understood that. So finally, I, I, I left. He was happy that he did a good work. I was happy that I got everything back. And um, anyway, yeah. But after that, a few days later, I was still uneasy, you know, that somebody has, that I do not know has my number, has my address, everything about me. And, and, but God is good. He showed me that he is in control, that, um, that he protects and this was one of those series of incidents that God used to turn my attention to a group of people that He's also seeking. And this was one of the series of incidents that the Lord used in others, along with others to confirm the call and burden to actually serve overseas among a special group of people. So this was something that happened to me in 2001. Just nice, 10 minutes. Okay, um... Before we begin the video, I want to share with you um, an incident. Once I, I preached in, in a church, not in PPH, uh, probably 2004, 2005 or something, and I was never invited back, never since. In fact, after that sermon, as soon as I stepped down from the pulpit, a deacon of the church came up and corrected me in front of the whole congregation. He said, you have the Holy Spirit at conversion. And you are always filled with the Spirit. There is no need to ask for filling. That's why I never got invited back. So, wow. You know, it's quite terrible to, to like prepare the sermon and share it out and then kind of correct it right at the end. What did I say to elicit such a correction from the deacon of the church? I was quoting from D.L. Moody. D.L. Moody, famous evangelist, man of God. And D.L. Moody was once asked, why... He, D.L. Moody, man of God, had to be filled with the Spirit so often. And D.L. Moody replied, because I leak. So I quoted this. Now, after long years of thinking about this, I concede that it was very imprecise uh, language, maybe even too flippant the way I shared it. And to the question of um, why must you be continually filled with the Spirit, I should not have quoted D.L. Moody. I should have quoted the Bible. The Bible plainly and simply said, be filled with the Spirit. Ephesians chapter 5, 
verse 18, which we will hear a little bit of in, in the video. Uh, I, well, the concept of Holy Spirit leaking out of you, I think, is not quite biblical. And I think this deacon had a point, but he doesn't have to be like that, lah, you know. So, be filled with the Spirit. When you read that verse, how does it strike you? I mean, if all of us were continually fully filled with the Spirit, then why would it be recorded in the Bible to Christians in Ephesus be filled with the Spirit? So let's listen to the sermon. It was the summer of 1977, and on a street in Brooklyn, just like this, a young woman by the name of Stacy Moskowitz was the last victim of the serial killer called Son of Sam. His real name was David Berkowitz, and he terrorized all of New York City. All five boroughs of New York City lived in fear because of a madman who taunted the police wrote to the newspapers and said that he was controlled by Satan through a dog. That's why he was called Son of Sam. David Berkowitz began his career by joining a satanic cult. He learned in that cult to study not only the satanic Bible, but to worship with other believers and more importantly, to open his heart and surrender and put his trust in a higher power, in this case, the powers of darkness. He started more than a thousand fires in New York City, wrecking mayhem wherever he went, journaled them very carefully. Then he began his killing spree, something very, very horrible, where possibly more than six people lost their lives. When David later became a Christian in the prison where he now is going to spend the rest of his life, he grew so quickly in the things of God because he had learned the secret back in those dark, terrible days of yielding and surrendering to a higher power. And now he yields to the Holy Spirit, puts his trust in God, and is a great blessing in the prison in reaching others with the good news of Jesus Christ. David now has gone from the powers of darkness to being someone under the control of the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, when I think of a person who does unusual things, I think of a young man who showed up in our church under the oddest circumstances, like, in fact, I ask people, what is that guy doing here? He lives up in West Point, and he's visiting our church and working here for nothing. But it was all part of God's plan to take a humble, open young man named Todd Cruz, fill him with his spirit, and use him to influence people for the glory of Christ. I grew up in a small town in Indiana. It was one of those towns where not much goes on, one of those towns where everybody doesn't really like it that much and they kind of want to leave, but nobody ever leaves. You kind of born there, grew up there, and died there. And it was when I was 18 years old, a senior in high school, where I really started to get serious about my faith. And that was a moment when I gave my heart over to the Lord. That's when I decided that I wanted to live for God in such a way that I never had before. 
about three months away from graduating high school, I said, maybe I shouldn't just do what everybody else is doing, and I should really start thinking about other options. And that's when I decided to explore the possibility of going to a Christian college, even though I had no idea what that was about. We've talked about the symbols of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit is water, symbolized by water, fire, etc. What's the phrase mean to be filled with the Spirit? That's mentioned many times in the New Testament. In fact, it's a command, as we'll see later, found in the book of Ephesians. Keep on being filled with the Spirit. If we go back to Acts chapter 2, when the church was born, we found out that all the disciples there, 120 or so, gathered, gathered in that upper room, men and women, they were baptized, filled with the Holy Spirit, and the church was born. Then we learn later on that when the gospel went to the Gentiles, uh, Peter was led to Cornelius' house in Acts 10. He was a Roman centurion. And when Peter went there, led by the Holy Spirit, to preach the gospel, while he was yet speaking, he was interrupted because they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Then in Acts 19, we find Paul meeting certain Christians in Ephesus and he asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit since you believe? Something must have been missing in their witness, their life for Christ or their, their spiritual bearing. And then he baptized them because they had not even heard of Christian baptism. And then he laid his hands upon them and they too were filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, what does that mean? Uh, some people think it's, well, the Holy Spirit is water. And if you fill up a glass and then it goes to overflowing, well, that's good symbolism in a way. But since the Holy Spirit is a person, what does it mean to be filled with a person? Now, we know that all Christians have the Holy Spirit living within them or they're not Christians. But what does it mean when it says in the book of Acts, and then Peter, full of the Holy Spirit? What does that mean? Then Paul, full of the Holy Spirit, said such and such. If all Christians are always filled with the Holy Spirit, why would those sentences be found in the Scriptures? Secondly, why would there be a qualification for deacons in the book of Acts that when they were choosing men to wait on tables so the apostles could give themselves to the word and prayer, why was one of the qualifications, choose out men from among yourselves who are known to be full of the Holy Spirit and full of wisdom. Well, if all Christians, as some teach, are filled with the Holy Spirit at all times, then why would that be a qualification? That would mean uh, like saying, listen, everyone who's breathing, that's one of the qualifications for this job. Well, of course you're breathing. If you're alive, you're breathing. No, there's a difference between the Holy Spirit living in us and being filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, to some people, they think this is a controversial doctrine, but I think it's clear from scriptures. First of all, it was a qualification of a deacon, so not, obvious, not everyone was filled with the Holy Spirit. But then we read on in the scriptures, in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 17, Paul says to the church, now don't be filled, to the Christians there, don't be filled with wine. We're in as excess. You're going to get influenced by the wine and be carried away, you're going to get into anti-Christian behavior. Bad things are going to happen. No, but be filled with the Spirit. 
Now, there's an interesting couple things about that sentence. It's not only a command, like a military command, be filled with the Spirit. Go over there, do such a thing. Now, he says, be filled with the Spirit. But it's kind of like in the continuous present tense. So literally, as some translations have it, it has be being filled with the Holy Spirit or keep on being filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, if all Christians are always filled with the Holy Spirit, why would Paul have to caution us about wine and then give a command, be filled with the Holy Spirit? Well, fill doesn't mean like a glass. What filled means when it comes to the Holy Spirit, means it means be controlled by the Holy Spirit. Not only walk in the Spirit, but be controlled by the Holy Spirit. This is what set men and women apart down through history. They shook cities. Their churches blessed multitudes of people while others were barren and didn't bear much fruit. What was different about them? Same Bible, same gospel message, same doctrinal position. What made the difference? Ah, it's the difference between being filled with the Holy Spirit and just kind of eking out a spiritual existence. The final proof for the fact that all Christians and all churches are not spirit-filled churches is this. To the church at Laodicea, Jesus said in uh, Revelation chapter 3, you are neither hot nor cold, but you're lukewarm. And because of that, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. Now, if you try to convince me that Laodicea was a spirit-filled church, and yet Jesus says, you're lukewarm, I'm going to vomit you out of my mouth, then words don't mean anything. No, the scripture is clear as to this fact. There's a difference between being a Christian and being a spirit-filled, controlled by the Holy Spirit, victorious Christian. How about in your own life and my own life? Think of the churches we visited. To every place that we go, can we say, oh, that place is filled with the Holy Spirit. No, in fact, I think certain denominations have, have structured their doctrine to cover up for the lack of fruit, the lack of life, the lack of love, the lack of prayer. So they've gotten these doctrinal positions of just don't even talk about that. That's emotional fanaticism. Everyone's filled with the Holy Spirit. Don't you get involved in that e subjectivism and experience-oriented religion. We go by the Word. But the Word says, the word inspired by the Holy Spirit says, keep on being filled with the Holy Spirit. So I applied to this school. A few weeks later, I got accepted, and I decided to move down to Florida and really start a whole new life down there and focus on my faith and try to get grounded in my Christianity. So my sophomore year is when I really started to feel a tug from God that he was calling me to full-time ministry. And it wasn't that... I heard a voice from above. It wasn't that he came down and wrote it on a wall. It was really just, I felt like there was nothing else I could do with my life than to work for God. And that's what I felt like my purpose was, my passion was. I felt like that's what he was leading me towards. And that's what I ultimately wanted to do. I had the chance to come up here to New York City and I had heard about a church where people stood in lines to get in. Somebody said, yeah, it's this church, it's in Brooklyn, it's called the Brooklyn Tabernacle, you should go and visit sometime. And I remember just sitting in the service and just being overwhelmed with the Spirit of God, just feeling His presence, feeling the passion of the people, and not just within the church, but just 
what I really felt like God was doing in that community and even in this city of New York. And it was when my senior year rolled around, I was just praying, saying, God, where do you want me to go? Where would you lead me? Where am I supposed to be? And what happened was uh, I all of a sudden just started to feel this urge. And my, my trip to Brooklyn started to come back in my memory. And I just felt like God's Spirit was saying, go to Brooklyn and serve. Go to Brooklyn and serve. You know, amazing things happen when people are filled with the Holy Spirit, controlled by the Holy Spirit. Uh, another part of this study um, that we're doing on the Holy Spirit, we're going to talk about demonic possession. And isn't it evident from Scripture that demonic possession, i.e. control by Satan of human beings in one way or another, is a counterfeit of God's original plan for His people. We're not supposed to be just saved and barely going to church on Sunday, which a lot of people think is some kind of achievement. No, we're to be on fire for God because we're filled with the Holy Spirit and we're able to do things in a positive way for the kingdom of Christ, empowered as we are by the Holy Spirit. Uh, we see this in the life of Stephen, who we mentioned before. He's chosen to be a deacon. He's waiting on tables and you would think he'd disappear from the story, but no. Peter, full of the Holy, I'm sorry, Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit and full of faith, begins to do all kinds of miracles and things through the power of the Spirit. And Christ is glorified, and he's so used by God that persecution breaks out against him. And a couple chapters in the book of Acts talk about this deacon named Stephen, never went to seminary, never ordained by anyone. Hands never laid on him to be a minister. But when people are filled by the Holy Spirit, all kinds of things can happen that are ordained by God, maybe not by man. And finally, Stephen becomes the first martyr of the Christian church. He was so mightily used by God through the Spirit. Isn't that the great need we have today? No, just think about it. Two of the major denominations in America are in negative growth for the last six years. Not gaining members in America, losing members. This is after 9-11, where you would think people would be more aware of the transitory nature of life itself. But they're in negative growth, losing people, not winning people to Christ. They're losing their church members. Those, both those denominations, I understand, have more empty pulpits now than they've had in the history of their denomination. Ministers biting the dust out of discouragement. Preach, nothing happens. Church fighting and fussing. Personal failure of some kind. Don't you think we need a revival of people being filled with the Holy Spirit? Don't we need something to offset the powers of the world that are encroaching upon us? and into our children's lives. On top of that, the statistics are horrible. These statistics come from Christian pollsters who are telling us of rampant pornography uh, among uh, men who go to church every Sunday and profess to be Christians. Is there no answer to this? Do we just have to roll along and feel defeated and see our families broken apart and, and the rest? It, doesn't God have anything as an antidote for it? Well, the problem is is that hard and fast religious doctrines and denominational uh, traditions fight the Holy Spirit. And, and that brings us to uh, something I believe is happening in our day. William Law in the 1700s, uh, a great uh, spiritual writer, said that when Jesus was sent by the Father 
The religious establishment fought him. They fought him. They rejected him, using scripture to reject him. Our father is Moses. Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? You don't fill, fill, uh, fulfill our model of what a Messiah looks like. And thus Jesus was crucified. The whole thing plotted by the religious establishment. And William Law in the 1700s said, The day is coming, and already was in his time, when the religious establishment of Protestantism and Catholicism will fight the one that the Son sent, the Holy Spirit, not in the name of, of another God or in the name of a cult. No, in the name of Bible doctrine, sound doctrine and their traditions, they will fight any openness to the movement and the power of the Holy Spirit. And when, when we do that, we sow seeds and then we bear some awful fruit. I'm suggesting to everyone who's hungry for more of God to study the scriptures and see what has God promised the Holy Spirit will do for the believers. Is this just for a select few? Was it just for folks back living in the first century? There's no verse anywhere in the New Testament that says, oh, all this good power stuff and efficiency by the Spirit of God, that's only for those folks back there. But when you get going there and you have the scriptures together and you're facing pornography and, and the cults and all the stuff that's going on in the world today, tough luck, Spirit's not going to work for you, don't expect anything else but go to church, study the Bible, pray and go home. No, I reject that. I reject that on the authority of God's own word. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and for, forever, and so is the Holy Spirit. He's available for us today. If we're willing to humble ourselves and say, God, come and fill me, control my life so that your name might be glorified. I didn't tell anybody what I was thinking, what I was praying about. I just prayed. And I just said, God, by your spirit, lead me in what you want me to do. And after about two weeks of praying, I found myself back in the Midwest for a sporting event. And I was there for the whole weekend, and somebody had given me tickets to an uh, NBA basketball game about 15 minutes before tip-off randomly. And my father and I walk into the arena. There's about 20,000 fans there. And I actually happened to sit next to this guy named Richie, who I just met for the first time, and he turned out that he was a Christian. And we started talking, and he started to ask me, so you're graduating from, uh, you're graduating from college, where do you want to go, what do you want to do? And I said, well, I'm praying about maybe going to this church up in Brooklyn. I feel like God might be leading me there, um, but I don't know. I don't know anybody there. I don't know what I would do. And uh, he said, oh, well, what's the name of the church? And I said, it's called Brooklyn Tabernacle. And he goes, one of my good friends works at Brooklyn Tabernacle, and he's here tonight. So I really took that as a sign um, from the Lord, that that was an open door. That's what he wanted me to do. And that next night, I met that friend who works at Brooklyn Tabernacle. He said, come to New York and give me a call when you get there. And I took that as a sign. So after I met my friend that worked at the church, I decided to go up there to New York and I graduated from school and I packed everything I had in my car and I drove up here to New York City. When I got here, first person I called was Craig at the church and we sat down and we had lunch and he didn't have any job opportunities for me, he didn't have any salary or position or title to give me, but he said, you can volunteer. So. I said, okay, that's what I came here to do, was to serve. I don't have any time frame or expectation. I just felt God's leading, and I just wanted to obey that. 
One of the first things I did was I was over at the Downtown Learning Center at our adult education ministry, and they have a library over there, and they needed somebody to categorize all the books in the entire library, and that was my responsibility. It was just a project that was never ending, and not the most fun thing, not what I went to school for, not what I felt like God called me up here for. It was just something that was given to me, a seemingly insignificant responsibility. On top of that, I had nowhere to stay. So my family, in the meantime, had moved up to upstate New York when I was down in Florida. So I was commuting from upstate New York down to New York City every single day. And sometimes that commute would be two and a half hours with traffic both ways. And I would drive down in the car and just think to myself, what am I doing? I'm driving two and a half hours to go into New York City, not for a job on Wall Street, not for anything prominent, to go and stick stickers on books in the library. You know, I had many moments where I said, God, I have a college degree, I have other opportunities, I could be doing something else. And I really just felt like God's Spirit continued to say, I led you there, stay there, and serve. The thing about being filled with the Holy Spirit is that you can't teach someone to be filled with the Holy Spirit. There's an overemphasis today, I think, in the body of Christ, teaching, 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 teaching. Now, teaching has its place. I obviously am trying to teach right now. But I can't teach anyone to be filled with the Holy Spirit. God is not going to relinquish His place in relationship to His people. He's the one who baptizes and fills with the Holy Spirit. He's the one who pours out abundant grace on our lives. That doesn't come from the minister. That's why the Bible never says, therefore, let us come boldly to the teacher or to the church. No. Let us come boldly to the throne of grace. And that's why I suggest to all of you, is why don't we all just say, I'm going to begin by the grace of God, a new seeking after God. Prayer always precedes revival. Prayer always precedes a filling, a new infilling of the Holy Spirit. That's why the church was born in a prayer meeting. Isn't that interesting? Not in a teaching session. The church was born in a prayer meeting. Why? Because when God's people pray, there's a fresh supply of the Spirit of Jesus. That's why Paul asked the church in, in, in Philippi, as you pray for me, there'll be a fresh supply of the Spirit of Jesus. There'll be a new infilling so that He'll control me and help me through all the challenges ahead. Let's not forget now, this cannot be taught. You don't get it by buying a book or watching a DVD series. All we can do is point us to the throne of grace and that we can go there and ask God, God, do as you've said. Do as you've said. You're rich in mercy to everyone who calls upon you. Now do as you said. I'm asking you to be filled and flooded with the Holy Spirit of God. And He will do it for God is faithful. And eventually that volunteering turned into an internship. And that internship turned into a part-time position. And that part-time position turned into a full-time position. And now today, about three and a half years later, I'm one of the pastors at the church. And I must say that in all those moments of trying to figure out what's going on, why am I doing this, um, and some of these things that seemed meaningless at the time, it was all founded on me believing that God's Spirit was leading me here to Brooklyn. And that's really what sustained me. If somebody six years ago would have said, listen, I'm going to lead you to a Christian college down to Florida, then up to Brooklyn, and you're going to work at this church, and you're going to be a pastor in this city, 
I would have said you're crazy. I, I never would have thought of something like that. But to think that God is in the business of doing things that we never would have thought possible. And it's just exciting to know that I'm going where the Spirit of God has been leading me, to know that I'm doing what God wants me to do. Um, there's such a peace and such a purpose that comes along with that, regardless of difficult times, just knowing that I'm doing what His Spirit is leading me to do. You know, in the day we live in, there's such an overemphasis, I think, on teaching. Now, teaching has its place. I'm trying to teach right now, and that's the role of pastors and Bible teachers. But when it comes to being filled with the Holy Spirit, no man can teach anybody to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We can talk about its importance. We can uh, study it from the Bible, but we've got to go to the throne of grace. That's why the enemy has fought prayer meetings across America, across all denominations. I ask you, wherever you live, what churches do you know in your area that have a strong prayer emphasis, prayer meetings led by the pastor himself, where we can say to God, all of us, God, come again and fill us again and again and again with your Holy Spirit. Otherwise, we'll never do and accomplish the task you have before us. We want Christ glorified, so we humble ourselves, confess our sins, and pray the prayer of faith, Lord, come and fill your people. And of course he'll do it. You think God is going to sit in heaven and say, no, even though I promised that I won't do it. No, God is faithful and he will do it again and again. Let's ask him afresh today. Um, worship team, would you come? Well, I want to ask all of us one question. Is PPH a spirit-filled church? What do you think about that? Is PPH... A spirit-filled church. Actually, it's a meaningless question because the question we ought to be asking is, am I a spirit-filled Christian? If all of us are spirit-filled Christians, then this will be a spirit-filled church. And then the question is, are we filled with the spirit or are we fighting the spirit? There is an occasion in Acts chapter 5 where where Gamaliel, the, the Pharisee, the teacher of Paul, uh, and then at that time they were persecuting uh, the apostles. And Gamaliel came up and said, Let it be, because if this is of God, if, if this Peter and, and, and the apostles, what they are teaching is not of God, it will fail. But you, Pharisees, you may well be found to be fighting against God. You may be found to be fighting against the Holy Spirit. And in Acts chapter 5, 32, it says, The Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey Him. So do we obey the Lord and the Holy Spirit fills us and we exhibit the fruit of the Spirit. Would you, would you all stand up? We will sing this song together as a song of consecration to, to God of our lives and ask Him to fill us as we surrender control of our lives.
surrender all. All to Jesus I surrender. Come at His feet I bow. Worldly pleasure all forsaken. Take me, Jesus, take me now. I surrender all. I surrender all. All to Thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender. you to, to respond. The song says, humbly at his feet I bow. And so would you come. Some of us may well be stirred in our spirit now to offer our lives even more holy to God. Would you come, would you come humbly to Jesus' feet? earlier, prayer precedes revival, prayer precedes the filling of the Spirit. And I pray that God will stir our hearts, to stir our hearts with that, that deep desire. You know, it's like you lost the bag and you can pray from for hours to seek that which you have lost, a bag with important documents. That same desire is, is in our hearts for the things of God. How would not God give the Holy Spirit to us? How would He not fill us with the Holy Spirit? So come humbly to God at the altar, seeking. Profess your faith, profess your love for Him. Don't fight. Holy Spirit, if there is a stirring in your heart right now. At the same time, I'd also like to invite those who wish to receive prayer for healing. That we can pray right now. We don't have to wait till September. And indeed, it's a very humble act too. A humble act for, for us, the elders, or the deacons who would be praying healing prayers for you. It's a frightening thing. But humbly to His feet we come and we pray. We anoint with oil and we pray according to Scripture in James chapter 5. So as we sing one last stanza of this hymn, I invite you to come. Come and offer, offer the control of your lives to God the Holy Spirit for a filling of the Holy Spirit and if we should have any need at all body, soul or spirit we too we come 
and ask for God to heal us. Oh, to Jesus I surrender Humbly at His feet I bow Worldly pleasure all forsaken Take me Jesus, take me now I surrender all Savior, I surrender the throne of grace. Let your grace flow. Let your grace flow into us and through us. Thank you, we pray in Jesus' name. Please be said that I just, uh, of course you are free, free to go, but I, I thought at this moment we might like to just spend a few moments praying together as we minister to those who have come forward at the altar. I encourage you to come also.
mean the house was okay, but it's just that I know.
Test one, two, three, one, two. Praise you. Test. Okay. Oh, uh, um, <laughs> he doesn't have a mic yet. Praise you. Your mic, Uncle Chipping, your mic is not working. Uh. Oh, you don't have a mic.
of you will be that time the the Caleb gonna say, Can you please stand further apart? <laughs> don't don't all squeeze together. <laughs> wow, am I so popular? Everybody squeeze. One, two, three, four, five. One, two, three, four, five. One, two, one. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. All right, everyone okay with Look this? Look um, wonderful face. Uh, okay, uh, Auntie Cat. Huh? Sounds okay. Praises rising, eyes are turning to you. Return to you. Hope is turning. Cars are yearning for you. We long for you. It's the same, right? Yeah, it's the same. So all of you, all three singing, everyone. Just okay. Uh, everyone is okay with no, no, the. I'm in ten. Testing. It's when we see you, we find strength to face the day. day. Okay, very muffled, am I? Very muffled. Your presence, all our fears, are washed away. Wash away. Testing. It's still a bit muffled. Uh, test, 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 test. Chelsea, Chelsea, at the end of my slides, yeah, uh, there are four responses right. I prepared for standby. Okay, okay. so uh, I may call upon them, uh, so just uh, be alert. Uh. At the end of the slides, uh, this is the first response. So I can use any one of them just for standby purpose. Uh. Okay, let's do all three singers together just to test your levels. Okay, Wait, what, what song are you saying? Praise is rising, eyes are turning to you. Return to you. Okay, everyone, okay? Anyone need more of anyone, less of anyone? One, two, three, four. Sounds okay, sound okay. yeah. Sounds alright. Okay, let's do the keyboards then. Pop. Are we okay? Alright. Uh Yongmi, could you do could you do the Yamaha as well? What's the volume level on the on the Yamaha itself? Sorry, what is it? Half. Half. Uh. Okay, la. I think this is better, right?
Are we okay with this? Alright, then let's do A git. A git, eh? A A A. Sorry, A git. Acoustic. Why is there nothing? Hmm. Yep, okay. Cool with this. All right, then the bass. Let's do the bass. Wow, wow, wow. What's this? Why oh, the bass so soft? Is the bass okay? Uh? Okay. Uh? Okay. Maybe I'm dead. Um, Egit? Okay, Egit, yeah. Yeah. No sound. Okay, just make sure Where's the Egit? Where's the Egit plugged into today? Uh? The red wire here. The red wire? Oh my god. Still no sound. Yeah, don't worry. It's gonna come very soon. Okay, very soon, ah. Uh. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay, wait. Now let me check the position. I just moved it to the Egate channel. This is our fast song. Uh, okay. 
Okay, Hosanna. Okay, just uh, do the intro. Intro. Hosanna, intro. Let's do the chorus to the bridge, uh, the, 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 the interlude. Uh. Okay. Hosanna. Okay, last, the last part, Hosanna. Uh. Hosanna. There should be a drop, right? The drop not, not good enough just now. Uh. A bit muffled, uh. a bit muddy, yeah. Okay, let's move on. Uh. Lord, our holy, only 
okay? Okay, we go to the bridge. Cut it short.